Welcome to Foresight, the CPA podcast. I'm Neil Morrison. It's shocking. It's a crisis. It's scary. These are just some of the ways experts have described the productivity challenge Canada is facing. And any way you look at it, Canada is falling behind comparable countries on this crucial measure. And the decline is steep. One of the reasons Canada is lagging so far behind other countries is that business investment in this country is lagging. Canadian businesses are just not investing enough in equipment and technology. Technology like artificial intelligence or AI. This is something Jean-Sébastien Charest has been paying close attention to. Jean-Sébastien is the Chief Information Officer for BDC, the Business Development Bank of Canada. And we're going to hear from him in a minute. But first, we're going to get a quick primer on productivity from CPA Canada's Chief Economist, David Alexandre Brassard. I mentioned Canada lags behind other countries, and honestly, that's maybe too generous. Canada is more of a distant figure in the rearview mirror of countries like the U.S. If we compare ourselves to the U.S., labor that's producing $1 of goods and services in Canada could produce $1.2 in the 2000s. Uh, right now, it can produce $1.3 in the U.S., so that's a that's a big difference. Uh, that's a 30% gap. The U.S. has always been historically strong with productivity growth, and some European countries are keeping up. We're not part of that lot, so we're not keeping up with those countries. And the thing is, productivity matters a lot. In fact, if you're the CFO of a company, it's maybe the one thing that matters most. The idea of productivity is simply doing more with less input. So you produce more with less input. Most of the time when we talk about productivity, we often talk about labor productivity. So that means producing more good and services with less people doing the actual work. But productivity also matters beyond the balance sheet. It's essential to the economy. Essentially, economic growth relies on productivity because we cannot grow our population endlessly. So you need to do more with less people. That's kind of part of the bargain if you want our standards of living to improve. That was David Alexandre Brassan, CPA Canada's chief economist. Now, I mentioned we were going to hear from Jean-Sébastien Charest, the chief information officer of BDC. He points to another way Canada trails other countries. It's not just productivity. It's, in fact, one of the keys to improving productivity. We know that AI can play a role in helping us fill that gap in terms of productivity. There was this pretty interesting study that came out of DAIS, which is a policy think tank out of Toronto Metropolitan University, that says that out of the 35 OECD countries that have national statistical agencies that have conducted these types of business surveys, well, Canada ranks 20th in AI adoption per se. So we have a productivity issue. And then when you look at AI, we are in the uh, 20th on 35. And the problem with AI adoption is actually most pronounced in smaller companies. And that's what we're going to talk about on this episode, AI adoption in small and medium-sized businesses. And there's good reason for this. Most of the economy is made up of these enterprises, 
and it's where many, many CPAs work. And if adopting AI is part of the answer to closing the productivity gap, to improving the ratio of inputs to outputs, then CPAs will need to be part of the solution. And these businesses need all the help they can get. When you look at smaller companies, let's say 5 to 19 employees, only 5.5% of those plan to adopt AI. But the thing is, when you look at Canada, the way that our economy is built around businesses, 98% of Canada's businesses have fewer than 100 employees. And these companies are responsible for nearly 40% of the country's GDP. So if we want to have AI play a role in helping us fill that productivity gap as a whole, then you see that adoption of AI within small businesses will be required or at least can play a major role for the Canadian economy itself. So that's, that's sort of the lay of the land at this point. So small and medium enterprises are not adopting AI at anything close to the rate of other countries. Do we know why? How, how do small and medium enterprises in Canada view AI? So in January, we have released a, a new economical study from my colleague, the chief economist of BDC, Pierre Cléroux, on Canadian entrepreneurs on opening the door to AI. And it's pretty interesting because in this study, clearly SMEs, so small business, they believe that AI will have a positive impact on all facets of the business landscape in the next three to five years. They believe it'll have an impact on their business, their sector, the Canadian economy, and they, they predict a positive impact on, on, on all of these different facets. But when you look at their ability to start looking at how will AI change their own business or mm -hmm. how can they start doing some first steps into adopting AI within their business, that's harder because only 59% of them are familiar with the goods and services that uses AI. They're not able to have this first step between the awareness and then how do I translate this in a diagnostic of work, where can I start? So the position of small and medium-sized businesses is actually very interesting. They they're aware of AI. They think it will have implications for their businesses. They think that the impact will be positive, but they don't actually know what AI tools and services are available to them and, and that they can use. Is that correct? Yes, exactly. So there is more education that, that is needed right now. And this is where going from awareness to actually taking action, there's a bit of a, I would say, a concept here that is a bit sometimes maybe intimidating for small business because one key barrier may be the lack of technology know-how within their business to begin with, right? These companies sometimes are too small to even have an IT department and IT leadership, let alone having an IT strategy. So the, the, the concept of AI can be intimidating as well. So for them, it's it's I know it's out there. I know it's going to change the, my industry and the Canadian economy, but how, what does it mean for me? So that from the from going from the what to the so what is sort of a barrier right now that we need to tackle because there are many ways for them to start using AI and, and not only in, in what we think about how AI is very revolutionizing or I don't know if you say that in English, but it's a revolution, you know, like there's mundane uses of AI that can quickly help productivity. What's, what are some examples of that? 
Yeah, so we spoke with different clients and uh, there's this client, Marty Fisher, who's the uh, co-CEO of a company called Show and Tell. They're our headquartered in Winnipeg. It's a, it's a marketing agency, uh, advertising and marketing agency. So these guys have been sharing with us their first usage of, of AI. For them, it meant sometimes just if they're they feel stuck or they want to start drafting a text, they get out of the, the white page and they, they start using AI to just generate a, a first def, decent draft and then they can edit and, and refine this draft. So it, it gets you started. So th- this is the type of thing that any business can start using. And for their particular industry, they're also using AI to have AI create an image. For instance, if they want to really start a first pitch deck, they'll, pr- they'll provide a precise description to the AI that'll then generate an image. Then the agency's graphic designers, they can pick up this image, they can modify it, they can present first mock-ups during the pitch, and then if it goes forward, then the approved image during the pitch can then be used to brief their professional photographer, and then they'll have originals, copyrightable photographs taken from there. But they, this is where AI accelerated and, and maybe put them in a competitive advantage of getting faster out the gate of that pitch and then getting their graphic designers and their photographers and their professionals working on the right things without having to do the initial repetitive work and and non-value-added tasks that maybe if the pitch doesn't go through, well, you didn't waste time in, in starting to design a first graphic. So th- these are the type of usage that are particular to their industry. But in, in the study, there's a bunch of examples of how these how these folks have been starting using AI in, 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 in ways that is as approachable for any small business. Yeah. How about non-generative AI? Is that also something that people are, that businesses are seeking out or can help with businesses? Yeah. You know, all types of AI can help businesses. And this is where I'm going to put a bit of a caveat, right? Yeah. AI, it's not a solution looking for a problem. Of course, AI can help if it's aligned with the objectives and the goals of the company. So it's really of thinking about the business goals for the next year or two and where are the most pressing needs and then how can digital technologies address them. Sometimes, you know, AI may be the ultimate answer, but maybe in your processes or maybe just a simple automation of your processes or cleaning your data. So sometimes, yes, other types of AI, of course, will bring value on the long run, why are we talking a lot about generative AI in the past year? It's just because it democratizes the access to AI because now you don't need to invest a lot of money, infrastructure, talent, and and then take major risk to get your business to start using it because the generative AI um, usage that, that we see right now is, I'll say, out-of-the-box usage on a lot of technology that you already have or that are easy to integrate within your business. So if you go to more, let's call them sophisticated uses of AI, like machine learning, you need a lot of data. You need to mm-hmm. feed this data into you need specialists who understand how to do that. You, right? Like you're a small and medium yeah. enterprise. You are maybe hiring a data scientist is not something you're able to do. No, and then having the proper infrastructure, cloud infrastructure. Think about data privacy and stuff like that. So I, I like to think about three horizons when you think about adopting AI for, I think, for about any businesses that that, that can have um, a long-term value with AI. So, so your first horizon is sort of, can I use something 
that I have no differentiating factor. It's not going to reinvent something like drafting emails or writing minutes for a meeting or generating social media posts that'll bring stickiness or helping me summarize documents. So these are all type of usage that you have no competitive advantage of tailoring yourself. You just pick them out of the box and you use them and they're a commodity at this point. So starting to integrate these capabilities within your organization We'll start working also on what I like to call your organizational muscles, right? Your, Just develop the culture. With, develop the culture. Develop around. the culture and, uh, and maybe start attracting employees that want to use this. So then once you get your basis right, you have your policies, now you start using it and you do first models and then you start to see, well, can this be tailored to my needs? And, and also... When, when you talk about generative AI that is available out there, if you start training the models on your data, then the competitive advantage can come in because mm -hmm. now it, the AI is going to give you more tips and advices and indicators that are based out of your data, probably maybe based on the way you've been doing business. So this is where Horizon 2 can start helping you into having a competitive advantage. So this is more on a six months, one year, once you've started using AI. And then Horizon 3 is like... Just not, one sec, yeah. just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just re recap. So Horizon 1 is just begin integrating it, working with it, exploring it, building a culture where people are interested in, are in, to some extent, enjoying it and finding uses for it, develop some of the policies around its use. Step two, Horizon 2, is to begin looking at ways that it can obviously help you. Is that right? Those are the two horizons so far? Yeah, yeah. but the second horizon will ask you to start building your own models. So, your own, okay. so, so that's where you'll need to either build your own data lake or at least work with a company if you don't have the internal staff to do it. But this is where you, you start shaping something that is made tailored. for your own, tailored for your own business needs. But then again, it's part of the many other things you're doing in the organization. It's another type of decision-making tool that, that you will integrate. So that's step two. And then moving to sort of horizon three is like, well, now do you really feel that there is something out there for you to disrupt the market or be a market shaper? And then this would be sort of a very finite number of companies that will start wanting to integrate, let's say, AI within their own products that they deliver to their clients or having AI at the very core of their enterprises. Then this is really something we're going to see in the future because everybody got to use the same toolkit at the same time in the past year. So we're going to start seeing more and more companies build their strategy around this where it's not only going to be one more tool in your tool chest but it's going to be your core business will refocus around this this is on a sort of longer horizon but but for now we we need more and more play we need more and more players to start adopting it and and this is the area where this about every business can start so step three is the your the AI actually becomes part of the product, part yep. of what you're offering to exactly. clients, to customers. You're actually offering an AI solution somehow embedded in e either the, offering the it or 
basing your your own manufacturing production operations everything in your business even in, for your internal needs right no, now a lot of your decisions are taking with this ai that you've built for you internally so these are going to be future usage that we're going to see but it's going to take a bit of time before uh, we get there for others than major players out there that, that right. have a competitive advantage of because gen ai is pretty recent but a, a lot of the major players out there have been playing around with ai for quite a bit right now yep okay uh, going back before you gave us the three horizons or the three steps for the evolution of how businesses incorporate AI into their business process, you mentioned that AI is not a, how did you phrase it? It's not a solution in search of a problem. Can you just tease that out a bit? How does that look for a business when they're trying to figure out, okay, let's start our AI journey? So when I say AI is not a, a solution looking for a problem is that you really need to make sure of a couple of things. You need to make sure it's aligned with your business strategy and you really understand what objective you are chasing. You need to have built-in measurable ways to have quantitative results of your AI. If day one, you're not able to say, this is what I'm trying to reach in a quantitative way and your AI is not built in a way that you can measure how much value you're adding as you go through, well, it's going to be easy to lose sight of a bit between thinking that you're doing the right thing and knowing that you're doing the right thing. So if I'm saying, I want this to be able to increase 7% retention of clients in this geography, well, your AI needs to be able to have day one built within the model, how am I doing on that 7%? And, and how do I think that right now my whatever predictions comes out of the models will help me get closer to that 7% in a quantitative matter? So develop concrete, quantitative goals, and, and then what's next? And then you need to be able to have adoption. Because in these things, adoption is key. You could build the best model to say, hey, this is how I'm going to be able to retain my clients in this geography. But if the sales folks don't understand, have access to the tool, or know how to use this tool, if you bring them a fancy dashboard and they don't use it on their day-to-day operations, you'll just have a fancy model sitting in some tool that is not used. So uh, number two for me is you need adoption. So for adoption, you need training. You need to be able to, to work close with these people. And that's where having quantitative objectives will help you because your salespeople, for instance, will know that using this tool will help them reach their own objectives. Then adoptions will start playing. And then number three, I'd say is feedback loops, right? You So you've built this model, you have adoption, people have started to use it. Are you able to get feedback of being able to bring back this feedback loop in the way you're going to tailor or build your next model so it really fits the needs of the people using the model on the tail end so that you have this value chain right now of you build the model, you have people using it, they give you your feedback, you integrate the feedback and back to the model, and then then you start really seeing real results with the adoption of these new capabilities. Yeah. Okay, as we close here, I'm, I have in my mind the small, medium-sized business that you described is the bulk of, what our, of our economy. 
small business owners don't have a lot of time. <laughs> They're extremely busy. The idea of bringing in something new like this is potentially overwhelming. It's a sense of, oh my, I just don't have yep. time to go in a completely new direction. How do you talk to them about just getting through that overwhelm and taking the right first step? So I'm talking with an entrepreneur and uh, he or she is loaded with different tasks and has a lot of administrative processes within their company, let's say, for instance. So if you have processes and you have administrative work within your organization, AI could help you free up some time could help you be more productive. And then it can be simple things such as drafting a policy, internal employee manual. You want to post a job. It can write a job. It can quickly write a job description for you, get you started. You want to pitch to your clients and you're using all, always the same sort of core for your pitch deck, but then you adapt it to the different clients you're going to pitch. AI can help you quickly adapt your basic pitch deck to the data you're going to feed them for this particular client and stuff like that. So if you are busy and you have a lot of work, well, first step is seeing how AI can help you on these very uh, small tasks, but that can start freeing up some time in your agenda so that you focus on more value-added tasks. So small steps. Small steps. And yeah. once you start using these small steps, maybe it's going to help you picture how on bigger steps within even your internal operations, AI right. can, can help you. Yeah. Jean-Sebastien, I've really found this helpful. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat. Of course, anytime. Thank you, Neil. Jean-Sebastien Charret is the Chief Information Officer for the Business Development Bank of Canada. On our next episode, we will be speaking with Ryan Myers. Ryan is the Head of Product at Manifest Climate, which uses AI to help companies identify gaps in their sustainability performance. You might remember on our first episode this season, Zoheb Akhtar mentioned that AI could really help companies with sustainability reporting. He gave that as an example. So we thought it would be interesting to take a deeper dive into this. Manifest Climate uses a large language model in its AI and ChatGPT is an example of a large language model. Ryan says... CPAs need to quickly become comfortable using tools like ChatGPT and AI because these tools are quickly evolving and he thinks it won't be long before they become a basic tool in the CPA toolbox. Nothing more interesting than using Google. GPT-4 is not the end, it's just the beginning, right? And same, there's Google's Gemini and there's a new version of Gemini coming out soon. GPT-4.5 will be coming out. So this is... It's only going to get better for sure. And I think if I were a CPA, the way I would be thinking about this is this is a great tool to be used. It's only going to get better. It's not going anywhere. So I think it's really important to gain some sort of exposure to it. Like I would start with just using ChatGPT. But if your company's not already working on it, they should be building an internal version of GPT that is secure for your data. And I think everybody should be learning how to use it. That's Ryan Myers, the head of product at Manifest Climate. 
And that's it for this episode of Foresight the CPA Podcast. If you like what you heard, please give us a five-star rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts and share it through your networks. Foresight is produced for CPA Canada by Podcraft Productions. And please note the views expressed by our guests are theirs alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of CPA Canada. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Neil Morrison. Thank you.